0: We're in the fourth week of our series called Get Smart. We're uh, looking at uh, ways to get it together and ways to keep it together. And today we're focusing on getting our vocational life together. Mm, That's a doozy to tackle, isn't it? It's difficult to put your finger on where America is in our attitude toward work because there's so many different attitudes, conflicting ones. Some people hate their jobs and only work because they have to. Others are obsessed with their jobs and they work to the exclusion of everything else. Interestingly enough, most people who fall into this category also hate their jobs. Or at the very least, they don't get the fulfillment out of it that they think they will get. You're going to spend about 150,000 hours of your life working. That amounts to about 40 to 60% of your waking hours. Look at some of these numbers, how how this has increased over the years. Back in the early 70s, the average American worked about 40 hours a week. That was the 40-hour work week. We're still living on that term. Does that happen anymore, right? So that's the early 70s. In the late 80s, that amount... Made it up to about forty-six hours. Today, if you're a professional, you work an average of fifty-two hours per week. If you're a small business owner, you work an average of fifty-seven hours per week. I I look at uh, church uh, ads, you know, looking for people to to join their staff, and and they make no bones about it. I say you've probably seen these, Megan. Hours, you know, you're expected to work this many hours, 50 hours is easily on there. They, they make no bones about it. They don't say 40 hours. It's 50 plus usually. It's probably another group of people who uh, we could save a lot of money if we just go ahead and sell our house and live at work, right? <laughs> that would make it easier. Here's our scripture passage for th- today. It's our main text that we're looking at. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see people skilled or diligent in their work? They will work for kings, not ordinary or obscure people. Now, this is one of those classic verses that we've been talking about through this series where Proverbs is not necessarily a how-to book. You know, do this and this will happen. Sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's just a that's-the-way-it-is verse. If you're old as me... That's, that's older than air is twice as polluted. Um, if you're old enough to remember Walter Cronkite, remember, how would he always end his shows? And That's the way it is. Remember every night he'd end that way. That's just what this is. It's saying if you see a skilled worker, they will work for important people. The fact is you will spend more time working, commuting to work, uh, time in the job, thinking about work, you'll spend more time with all that stuff than anything else. You'll spend more time at work than you do with your family or with your friends. You'll spend more time there instead of in leisure, even spiritual activities. Whether you like it or not, work dominates our lives. The book of Proverbs tells us that God wants us to succeed in work, He says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. He wants you to be successful. He also talks about being lazy. Lazy hands make a man poor. He who who chases fantasies lacks good sense, lacks judgment. In week one, we talked about how Proverbs is a book of consequences. Behavior produces corresponding results. Nowhere is that more true than in our work life. As Solomon said, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. We all know people who have worked their fingers to the bone and end up dirt poor. Part of that has to do with money management, which is why we're going to discuss that in a couple of weeks, spend a whole sermon on that. Part of it also has to do with the fact that it's just not enough to break your back on the job. There's more to working than just producing sweat. That's not the goal of working. God wants to bless us in our jobs. So today we're going to look at three things, three things that will give Him the opportunity to bless us. First of all, we need to think about our motives. We need to actually fine tune our motives. I mean, we're human beings and we get off track in this area. Why do you work? Specifically, why do you do what you do? Is it because of the pay? Is that the only reason? Is it because you owe so much money that you have to work? <laughs> Been there. Is it because it's the only place that would hire you? Thanks, Cornerstone. I'm so glad, you know. I mean, is that what motivates you? Money alone is never enough to to be that motivating factor. Now, I don't work for free, and nobody expects you to work for free. But if the only reason you show up for work is that paycheck, it will soon become obvious to everyone around, especially the boss. No employer wants an employee to be there strictly for the paycheck. I mean, think about it. If you wanted to hire a lawyer, do you want one who sees you as so many billable dollars or hours, or, or do, you, do you want a lawyer who really believes in your case and wants the best for you? If you need a doctor, do you go get one who sees your, your visit as a, his down payment on the Lexus, or do you want one who wants to see you become healthy? Money alone isn't good enough to be the motivating factor. Neither is self-promotion. This is another one. We've all worked with someone who is more interested in advancing their career than in doing the job well. I mean, I've seen them so many times. You know, they're kind of hard to pick out at first. You know, they're working hard. And they're usually driven people. So they look like they're working hard, but eventually you start to see you know, they're not really a team player. They're not working for the whole company. Those people spell death for an organization. If self promotion is your motive, you'll be tempted to do a lot of things wrong. You're going to cut corners, you'll take credit when it's not due you'll become cutthroat in your attitude toward your coworkers, And instead of working in a team atmosphere, you'll be working in a me-against-the-world environment. And no matter how far up the ladder you go, you'll always be miserable. You'll always be watching your back. Think of any major league sport. It's easy to spot athletes who view the game as nothing more than a paycheck. Or a platform for bragging. Rarely do these individuals achieve kind of the legend status. Some of them get up there, but very few make it to the legend status. Now, think about players that are legends to you. Maybe it's Michael Jordan who was talking in that video. They may have been paid handsomely, they may have received more praise than they deserve. But you would never accuse them of being in it for the paycheck. For them, there's a different motivation to work. So what should your motivation be? Here are three ways to fine-tune your motivation for work. First of all, consider that your job is an opportunity to serve God. Now, that's a little ethereal. It's kind of out there, hard to measure and everything, but just Try to start working on this one. Because think about it, work is not a curse. God did not give us work to curse us. He gave it to bless us. Work is not a waste of time. It's a time to serve God. In fact, fact, when it's feeling like a waste of time, that's usually the best time when you can be thinking about God. God would not design things in such a way where you spend half of your waking hours in futility. He may be teaching you some lessons, but it's never for no cause at all. Whatever you do for a living, you can actually perform your job as an act of service to God. Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Not part of it, all of it. As working for the Lord. Not men. Now don't get cocky with that one. Don't say, well, I'm not working for him anyway. You know? No, just get your attitude, get your focus on God. See, we all have human bosses. Even if you're self employed, your boss is every customer that walks in the door, right? But beyond that, when you go to their job, go to your job, there's something happening on a spiritual level. You have the opportunity to serve God, to please God. So let that be your motive. Another way you can fine-tune motives is to consider your job an opportunity to serve other people. I mean, can you really think of many jobs, if any jobs, that are not helping people, not doing something to serve people? You have a job that enables you either directly or indirectly to serve other people. Take pleasure in the fact that you get paid to help people. When I stopped traveling around the world in rock and roll bands, I started to work for this pro music store. I sold all kinds of stuff, you know, PA systems. uh, At first, I had a goal. Sell the most PAs, sell the most guitars, the most keyboards, and get a good bonus check at the end of the month. That was my goal. Isn't that what you work for? But then I started to see how much I could actually help people. I helped people understand what kind of equipment they could buy to do what they wanted to do. I helped young people know what instrument fits them the best. They wanted a guitar, so, hey, here's one that may work better at your age, you know, that kind of thing. I helped churches figure out what they could buy on that limited budget that we're all so used to at churches. I learned that there was something incredibly satisfying about serving others. In fact, with my knowledge of the merchandise and the obvious enjoyment of helping these people, my boss noticed, other people noticed, and I ended up getting kind of this promotion Instead of a sales associate, I was the consultant for computer-assisted music and recording equipment. That was all because I just really liked helping people. It was so cool. So let serving others be part of your motivation for work. A third thing, consider it an opportunity to serve yourself. Now, be careful with this. We don't want it to get selfish. Maybe you aren't paid as much as you'd like to be paid. Who is? (laughs) Who is? But the fact is, you get paid for serving God and serving others, and the money you earn gives you an opportunity to do things you want to do. Things like feeding your family, things like living in the house you live in, driving the car you drive. Maybe it's to eat, maybe it's travel, maybe it's doing a particular hobby like hunting or fishing, gardening, sewing. You get paid for the work you do. And that can be a motivation in itself to work harder. Solomon said the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. (laughs) The fact that we need to eat can keep us motivated to work and to work hard. I wanted to include this because I don't want you to think that this is all non-practical stuff like all the heavenly stuff. There's practical reasons too. But if that's your only motivation, the practical reasons, the paycheck, eating, then you're going to miss out on so much of the pleasure that your job is an act of service to God and you can have fun doing it. Secondly, to work hard for God's glory, we have to make a commitment to quality. Quality work. Have you ever worked with anyone who just kind of goes all out with their work? I mean that overachiever, you know, the guy or the gal that's borderline obnoxious and makes everyone else look like a slacker, you know, that type? Well, maybe there's a good reason they make us look like a slacker. I was hired at a church to be the uh, program director, and that was pretty much the music director, drama Uh, things that happen on Sunday morning, the technical stuff. Well, the church that I went to had such a top-notch professional look and feel that when I got there, I had to do a little catching up. (laughs) You know, I wasn't quite there. They just had this great thing going, a lot of people coming. Well, the program director before me he had this unbelievable knack for detail and quality. I mean, he intimidated me. I, I just knew him for a very short time, but he really intimidated me a lot because he was so good and so detailed at what he did. He would make sure every prop on stage matched these uh, coordinated outfits with the singers. He would say, the singers need to be up front with the mics, all the instruments in the back, and they don't have mics. We've got to do it this way. Every element of the service, the songs, the dramas, the scripture readings, the sermons, even the prayers were written out. I mean, this is like over the top, wouldn't you say? They were not only written out, they were timed. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Well, most people were singing this guy's praises. But there were quite a few there who were around during the church's beginnings and they were remembering how over-the-top this guy was, and how people would say things like, "Come on, why are we working so hard? It's just church." Or they'd say, "Man, you act like we're performing in this big, huge auditorium." Well when I started working there, the people who had stuck it out, they weren't complaining anymore. I quickly became aware that his detailed and quality work in the early days of that church paved the way for that programming team, paved the way for the church, paved the way for me, because we were now in this big auditorium. There was more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and they were connecting with each other in meaningful relationships. They were learning how to reach out to others who were missing from God's kingdom, I still keep up with this church. I know they've acquired some more property and they've grown to be not only one but two of the biggest churches in their city. Because of production and lights and TV cameras and more, they now have a great need for that color coordination and putting singers up front and timing the elements and all the things that keep everything organized. Maybe that first program director had more vision than the complainers did. Maybe his commitment to quality showed he works for God's glory and not for people who want the easy way out. I know you can take that a little too far, and it almost sounds like this guy did, but I don't know. I talked to him a number of times, and his heart's beating powerfully for God, That church wants to reach people for Christ. So just because they're slick doesn't mean they're bad. It means they work hard. Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said, if you want to be a big company tomorrow, you have to act like one today. This statement can be applied to every area of life. If you want to be a supervisor tomorrow, you have to kind of act like one today. If you want a promotion tomorrow, you have to earn it today. If you want success, you have to start working like a successful person. There must be a commitment to quality in your work in order for God to bless your job. That's why Solomon said in our verse today, people skilled in their work will work for kings, will work for important people. And now notice he's not only referring to people right now. It says they will work in significant places keep doing quality work and it will eventually pay off keep doing quality work and you will learn new and better things for the future there's something that really bugs me about churches it's the people with that attitude a bad attitude about excellence excellence not perfection just excellence Doing your best. I know people in in churches literally all over the country who do things like this. The singers and the instrumentalists. They wouldn't dream of going to a music coach to sharpen their skill. I know of preachers or Bible study teachers who will not attend any conference in any way, shape, or form because they don't care about getting a fresh approach to their teaching. I know leaders all over the place, churches and beyond, that just don't do anything to improve their thinking, to improve their strategy, to move their church or their business forward. Just don't want to do anything. It's not like this word in in Japanese. They have this word. It's in a business context. I think it's called kaizen. Anybody heard that term? Is that what you say in karate? Kaizen! No, no. It's it, Here's what the term means. There's no English word for this. There's a phrase that, that covers it. It says, Constant and continual improvement. Businesses will do this. This word articulates the concept that workers, businesses, churches should always be in the process of getting better. If you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're starting to rot. It's as simple as that. We should always be getting better. We should always add quality to our work. Too often our approach to our jobs is this mentality of what's the least amount of work I can do and still come out looking all right? We use phrases like, well, good enough for government work. Musicians use the the phrase... Oh, that's good enough for jazz. <laughs> but you know, these phrases and attitudes contradict a commitment to quality. Here's another phrase you've heard, but it's worth repeating. If the job is worth doing, it's worth doing it well. You've heard that. Maybe you work in an environment that just doesn't reward quality. Maybe your boss doesn't never will appreciate your extra effort. Well, as a friend of mine would say, every time I'd gotten kind of a funk at work, whatever my job was, he'd always say this to me. He goes, remember who you work for. Remember who you work for. That commitment to quality is worth the effort when I know I'm working for God. The book of Proverbs says this. This is a strong one here, boy. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. Now, if you put that holistically in all of the Bible, the New Testament describes Satan. It says he's a thief, and and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. This verse says if you're lazy, you're kind of locking arms with the devil. There's danger in that. There's something destructive about not doing your job well. Think of it this way. How about the restaurants that you will never go to again or the retailers that you'll never do business in again because you had to deal with a lazy, incompetent employee? He kind of drove you away. Think of how much money that employee's low standard will cost his boss or his company. In your job, don't be that employee Work with a commitment to quality. One more. The third thing, working hard for God's glory. You must strive for diligence. Diligence. What's that? It's basically sticking with something. Day in and day out. Doing your job consistently, day after day, week after week, week year after year. Cal Ripken Jr. was a very good infielder though he was not the best to ever play the game of baseball. He became a legend not because he was brilliant all the time, not because he had the best batting average, not because he was a gold glover. One of his achievements and why he's a legend is that he consistently showed up consistently showed up, and he was ready to play. He played 2,632 consecutive games with the Orioles. Bet they wish they had him now. (laughs) I mean, think about it. I don't know if I've brushed my teeth that many times. 2,600 games he played consecutively. Yeah, he occasionally made a brilliant play, Occasionally, but he was always diligent. And that's enough to make you successful. Solomon says a hard worker is in charge, while a lazy one will be sentenced to hard labor. The biggest mistake employees make is showing a lack of diligence. Specifically, I mean inconsistence. Since your boss probably doesn't look over your shoulder all day long, He doesn't see everything you do, but certain things become glaringly obvious, such as whether or not you show up on time or how you dress, how much enthusiasm you show toward your job. Bosses are not all-knowing, so they have to look for clues. If your boss can bank on the fact that you'll be in your office on time looking alert, you're going to have a head start on being successful there. That makes the job more of a blessing. That's how, job, that's how God blesses you. This pastor told the story about a friend. Uh, the friend was one of these hands-on managers, really involved in people's lives that worked around him and under him. He had this office of about 20 people. His boss worked in the same office, but was kind of aloof. He didn't really... Get into relationships with the employees. Well, they were considering giving someone an, uh, a promotion in that office. The manager recommended one of his workers. His boss said, Are you kidding? She's the last person I would promote. The manager says, Yeah, but she does a really good job. She does some good work. The boss said, All I know is that she comes in 10 minutes late every morning with a McDonald's bag. So she is not only late but she expects us to pay her for breakfast eating. <laughs> the unfortunate thing, the manager said, is that this woman is really good at certain aspects of her job. But flashes of brilliance will never take the place of day-to-day consistency. Do You want God to bless you in your job? Then be diligent. Be consistent. Remember Jesus' parable of the three servants, we went over this a couple weeks ago. When you're faithful in a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Diligently doing your job day in and day out. It brings glory to God. And it puts you in position to be blessed. This was amazing when I saw this stat here. If you look at all the CEOs of America today, these CEOs that are leading America's big companies, the stats said that before becoming CEO, these people worked at their company for 17 years, and a quarter of those people had never worked for anyone else. It just kind of showed me that sticking to it ultimately leads to success. There's a lot to... Now, now, obviously, there's totally different directions to do this in, but if you are where God's planted you, and most of us are, then let's do this thing. Let's work hard. I, I believe if, if Solomon were to, to come talk to us, he would say things like this, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. He'd say, God wants to bless your job, you in your job. He wants your job to be fulfilling and even fun. Can you imagine that? In order for him to do that, we've got to get smart and work hard. Work hard. Hard work involves more than long hours. It involves more than sweat. It involves keeping your motives in line. What are your motives for working? Are they pleasing to God? It involves keeping quality work a priority. Are you doing a good job, even if it's just for yourself? And keeping at it day in, day out. If you do this, you kind of have a guarantee that God is going to be pleased. And he's going to help make work meaningful to you. I also think if we talked to King Solomon if he was standing right here he'd say hey this thing work I've done a lot of it if you've done any studies on King Solomon you know he was a busy man I mean he had a thousand wives that's pretty busy <laughs> pretty stupid too but we won't go there <laughs> a thousand this guy didn't only have all those wives he was a king He had to lead a country. This was a busy guy and he did not hate work. He knew it was a blessing. And I think what he would say to us today is, hey, give it a try. Work hard. See what happens. About half of our band had to uh, go to work or something like that, so we're not going to end with a song today, but I want to pray for us and if you're struggling with your job, I'd like to kind of be up here afterwards to pray for anybody that just needs a little help, a little oomph at work doing these kinds of things, because I know it's not easy. I know a lot of you get beat up at work, but God can help us. God is more powerful than whoever beats us up, all right? So let me pray, and then you guys are dismissed, and come up here if you need some prayer. Father God, we uh, we thank you for this, this topic. We thank you for Uh, teaching us through the book of Proverbs. Thank you for Solomon, who didn't ask for riches or great power. He asked for wisdom to know what to do. And we're learning about wisdom through his writings that you inspired. So God, would you help us? Help us with our motives and why we work, why we do what we do. If we don't know what it is, Holy Spirit, would you give us some wisdom? Would you give us discernment to figure it out? And Lord, help us to do a good job. Help us to do our best. And Father, help us to stick to it. Sometimes that's the hardest one, Lord, but help us. And we're going to trust you in everything that happens at our jobs. And we know that, that, that you can. We know that you're in charge of everything. So help us to be the right kind of employees and bosses and, and uh, work teammates and everybody, every place you've put us. Lord, help us to do that. And we'll be careful to give you the thanks and the praise that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.